Hey folks, this is Bailey from Nicholas Wargaming. Hey, this is Heath from Team Tab War Hawaii. And welcome to the Path to Redemption, the Warhammer 40,000 Dark Angels podcast, where our aim is to provide Dark Angels players with the tactical and hobby skills that they need in order to compete and enjoy in this wonderful hobby of ours. So this is the June slash July monthly episode because Heath and I have crazy schedules, but for once, Heath and I are in the same time zone. So this is pretty exciting, actually. It is yep. it is 349 yeah. <laughs> in the afternoon on a Thursday in July. In Eastern United States Eastern time, because I am I am visiting the uh, lovely state of Virginia for work. And as I blurred my background, you may tell I am in a hotel room. So um, this, yeah, the stability of this internet connection is not to be trusted. So let's see how it goes. Alrighty. Well, we've got some new releases to discuss, a little bit of meta watch, because uh, there's a balanced data, sleet, uh, data sheet that mm -hmm. came out, along with, uh, we have a tournament list to talk about. Uh, Heath and I finally got to play some 10th edition. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we have some monthly challenge stuff. We have some community interaction stuff, and that'll be a wrap for uh, the for this episode. So, looking at the new releases, Leviathan came out. It was two hundred fifty dollars for the box, right? Yep. Uh, I, 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 I bought one. Sixty five dollars. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, the chapter approved deck, which has since been pulled because some of the cards were wrong, was thirty three fifty. For, uh, I think it's Chapter Approved Leviathan is what it's called. Uh, you have the Crusade book for $60. The Space Marine Index cards, which I have here in front. This is only $25. I mean, look at this. Look how many cards you get. Right? Not nearly. Then, yeah, way more than you get with the Dark Angel. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's only 15 yeah. but still very useful. I mean, these are big. I mean, look Quite at this. Useful. is big. Here's the line, right? Big, strong, like... This is this is not cheap. Like if you tried to print these, this is not cheap. So I think it's a pretty pretty worthwhile investment in my opinion. One of the things the I was quality. really surprised by, one of the things I was really surprised by is you not only get the cards, you also get a detachment rule, your enhancements, and oh, then yeah. your stratagems as well. And that's been that's been that was nice. I yep. I appreciated that. Yeah. I've been on pre-order this week. Uh, that's coming out this Saturday. Uh, that's coming. The line will be out for seventy dollars, which is pretty interesting considering that Farsight is sixty-five, and, the, and so he's only five dollars more. Which I think that's an overpricing of Farsight, in my opinion. Uh, hmm. But I also don't know how big that Farsight model is. But this is from that. What there were some box sets right that had Farsight, and then Snickrot came out, and then of yeah. course line was his own little yeah. private box set. So. You, I mean, you got a deal in that box set because three blade guard is sixty bucks. So if the lion's seventy on his own, and you're paying one ten, and you got the lion and three blade guard, you saved yourself some cash there if you got that. So value added yeah. product. Right? Um, I, you, you got to look at the way they price those things. It's based on one, you know, size and complexity of the model. The plastic doesn't cost anything, right? It's so cheap, it's irrelevant. Right. It's just how many how many sprues do they have to make, right, or molds they have to make for sprues to cast the model. Uh, and then how complex was it? And, and, you know, so, and it's a complex model. Like I think I've talked before that model yeah, yeah, yeah. was it like, it's no silent King, but it was, I built it in like, I think 10 or 12 sub assemblies and painted it. It's, there's a lot. It's a, it's a lot. <laughs> so 
Yeah. And I think and, they've, uh, they've announced, but I don't think I've got pricing mm-hmm. for the um, the starter boxes, right? So there's an intro, a second tier, and then a third tier intro box coming out. I'm not sure. Uh, but I don't yeah, have I don't pricing know. for that yet. Uh, but it's coming. Yeah, the last I... box has some terrain, but it isn't the terrain. <sighs> it's It looks like the terrain from the moon base terrain from a couple years ago. It doesn't look, in my opinion, as nice as the terrain from the previous starter box, which I built a bunch of. It's in a box behind me over here. Uh, I really like those ruins as opposed to the the like bunker terrain that comes in that box. But I'll try to get my hands on some. I'll let you know how it all works out. I am a fan of... Uh, I think people are doing some really interesting things with 3D printing terrain these days. Um because you don't need the fidelity like that you would get from a really, really high-end like resin printer to print models or bits of models. Um, and so you can use a fairly cheap, you know, $150, $200 printer and get some good results. Uh, and there's some, you know, STLs out there. Some of friends of mine printed big hills that like interlock and they lock together and they're really stiff. Oh, that's cool. And they still collapse down. Um, so this is some, yeah, some really good stuff. Uh, so I'm, I'm, and the GW terrain is always, you know, like it's got all the windows through it. We all know how the windows thing go. I don't know if we're going to plan to talk about the, the changes to the, well, the, the non changes to the towering keyword, but how the towering interacts with the terrain rules. Um, but yeah, so GW terrain, look, it can be cool. If you like the way it looks, if you got the room for it, if you got the cash for it, Go ahead, man. But uh, if you're trying to build a, a terrain set at, at home, uh, you can get some. There's some really good options for 3D printing. It and it's it just makes a lot of sense because there's you know the ethical side of like, well, I'm not going to go play this model at a tournament, right? So completely irrelevant. But you could build a full table of really good looking stuff, you know, for your home use for cheap. Right. Right, and it just kind of depends on the what the playing environment you want is, and that's sort of what mm-hmm. we get a tower, and I'll talk about that too. So, going to uh, the Meta Watch, right? We have we had a document come out. It was a balanced data slate, and it explained a few things yep. uh, that they want us to have. So, one of the big ones going forward is that you cannot put models on objective markers anymore. That was something that came out and that's in, in the base rules. That's... Yeah. That's in, in the, the base, base rules? Oh, okay. rules. Yeah. And so for the, for the okay. tournament ones, you can, um, you can, cause still. I think okay. what they, yeah, you can, that was one of the changes. And I thought that the no staying on objectives was kind of a neat interaction in the base rules. Cause otherwise, you know, a knight is going to go, Hey, what's up? <laughs> Here right. I am. I'm OC 10. Do something about it. Right, or you park two repulsors next to each other and you block out the whole thing. Um, so saying that you can't stand the objective is a way to basically make sure that it can be contested by somebody else. But in a tournament play, I guess they're just not willing to deal with it. Um, which is, hey, that's how we've been doing it forever. So it's not really a change for us in the tournament in the tournament setting. Uh, there were some uh, card changes for Le- the Leviathan cards, so the deploy servo skulls. Uh, they wanted you to know that the scoring things were cumulative. So as you do things, you get more points. So 
Or they're not cumulative, sorry. Man, I gotta get glasses, Heath. You got something going for yourself there. <laughs> so note these conditions are not cumulative, so if you have one that applies, that player scores, the applicable condition carries the highest VP reward. So this is one of those things where you gotta take the servo skull and you gotta mm. control it, and then the closer it is to your opponent's deployment zone, the more points you get. So it's not a oh, I have it completely within your opponent's deployment zone, I'm scoring 15 points, it's I get 8 points if I do this, because you score it at That's the end of each turn. Yeah. So you can't just like rack up yeah. points. Yeah, so because there are some that are cumulative, so it's important to denote that. Uh, with deployed teleport homers, they set the victory point total for scoring at the, if you have your deployment in the center of the battlefield as three command points, or three victory points. And then for behind enemy lines... If you're using tactical mission, they're actually going to give you five victory points uh, for performing the the action or for getting two or more units into your opponent's deployment zone instead of just four. So if you pick behind enemy lines as a fixed objective, it's worth less. But if you draw it and do it, it's worth more. So how do you think that if you have a set of the cards like this, um, yeah, like I got these from the Leviathan box, so they were not the ones that were recalled because they were misprint. Like they would have the, the ones that were misprinted and got recalled had like gambits on the front or the back or something. I don't know, whatever. Um, right. What do you think that you should do to modify these cards in case they decide to change these in the future? Because I'll tell you what I'm thinking, but I want to hear your opinion first. Well. The one option is, I mean, you can get white out or something like that, or get like a card sleeve and some, and then write on the card sleeve what the change is, and then you can slide it in. It's like a permanent marker or something. You got to set it aside to dry, but you could have a card sleeve write on it and slip it in there. That thing, I hadn't thought of the card sleeves. Do they make sleeves for cards this big? I'm sure you can find something. I'm sure somebody will make them. Um, yeah, maybe I'll look into that. That's a good idea. I, I was thinking. I was going to get some yellow stickies, like the small yellow stickies, and uh, just write the change on there and then put a yellow sticky on each of the secondary cards. That way, there's always a yellow sticky on a card. And so you don't know, you know, so that way it doesn't potentially mark the deck or something. Um, right. And that way, if it changes in later seasons, you can just, you know, in and out, right? But um, honestly, the sleeves sense. and print these little things, that's actually a really, that's a slick idea. I like that. So, um yeah, we'll see if we can find some that are, you know, whatever this is, like two and a half by like five inches. So, all right. Yeah, I'm. A, and I'm then uh, they give you these. They give you these standardized mission pools. Um, and I didn't know this was a thing when I was. I played a game yesterday, and we just like flip cards and pick something. But uh, they have right. like you know Alpha through Oscar standard setups: primary mission, mission rule, and deployment with terrain layouts. Um, right. Just that, you know, that will, that will balance better. Um, so that's cool. And all that stuff is already reflected in the ITC battles app, which is good. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, uh, and my thing on this, think about how many missions we had in previously, like think about in eighth edition going into the ninth, there was only six missions. So people just grinded the same six missions. Yeah, for ITC, Sorry. and then we went to ninth, and then we eventually got to nine missions by the end of the battle pack, and now we've got even more. Fifteen, I love it. And then fifteen, yep, yeah. Um, and each of them is going to have a recommended terrain layout, 
right? And they give the one thing I do like is they give these terrain layouts, uh, which maybe we could splash on, you know, splash into the YouTube. Sorry, I'm looking off the side, but I've got oh, a laptop, no, and so right, my yeah, I can notes are my notes are on the um, my notes are on a tablet next to the thing. Um, they they put this interesting statement here called "No fixed measurements." Says precisely locking terrain layouts with fixed measurements are not recommended. Uh, so, such strictures can encourage army construction that plans for guaranteed measurements for the purposes of line of sight, objective control, and so on. And I was like, oh, interesting. So they're thinking that if you say, hey, these things are guaranteed to be this far away, people will design their armies knowing that there is 24 inches between here and here. And like you were saying just grind and solve those problems. Well, if I put these guys here, I move right. here, that means I will have line of sight to control all this. So they're saying, don't do that, right? To discourage that type of gameplay. And also, you know, mid game, if it happens that the terrain, you find out the terrain's not exactly per what the requirement is, someone may be within the rights to say, hey, this terrain is not laid out appropriately. I declare a null, right? Let's mulligan. Right. You don't want that. Because this is not what I, this is not what I deserve. As a and, and what I planned for, so no, <laughs> the main book says don't do that, right? Don't be one of those yep. guys. Well, even better, I think, is the the terrain key that they give us for the use of ruins, where they tell us like what the area terrain should look like, and then the height mm -hmm. of the different walls on it. So there's like there should be two inch wall sections and four inch wall sections, or more than four inch wall section. Uh, and I like this. So you can do, so it gives you an idea of like where you will have line of sight through certain pieces of terrain, and not so like if you look at terrain layout one, it shows you okay. where there should yeah. there should be some you know where the it kind of it lets you know where the lanes are because you can see uh, where like there's a little T of two inch line of sight, so it's not going to be obscuring. So that is there's a little lane there that cuts through two quarters. But there is going to be cover because you got to shoot through this little T area, or there's uh, just connect just above it, right? There's two big line of sight blocking areas, but then there's a little gap in the middle that you can shoot through because it's only two inches, but not four inches, so it's not. And I imagine that little piece. I haven't lined all this up against the deployment maps, um, but uh, like, I wonder if we could say, well, huh? Like, what would so? Okay, so for terrain layout one. For example, okay, they're all viable for one, two, three, and four. okay, they're all viable. Looks like for for terrain layout one, right? And terrain layout, or sorry, for uh, yeah, so terrain layout one is always good. They say that'll work with anything, right? But two won't work with everything. Four won't work with everything, and three won't work with everything. So there's a few that three won't. You know, so that's interesting. So like, it looks like the terrain layouts per this little table on page three of the tournament rules, they don't want you to do terrain layout three with hammer and anvil, which is this one, right? The, you know, the short yeah. edge to short edge. So what's terrain layout three, right? Terrain layout uh, I'm three. looking at it and I can, okay. there's uh, definitely some big yeah. shooting lanes. If you, uh, do hammer and anvil on that one for sure. So, uh, yeah, like you, you don't have one right down the middle, right? Um, but you could, yeah, there could be, you could set, you could probably set up a couple of solid fire lanes there. 
you would definitely be able to have access to, like the two kind of the middle sides, like the the mids the midboard. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. It, it's itching. Uh, that's that's a thing we have to do is pick out kind of if you combine this terrain layout with this deployment type, you know, what's the advantage, disadvantage of that? Uh, there's there's too many things. I haven't had a chance to do that yet. Um, I've played, I think, two 2,000-point 10th edition games so far. Um, and only one of them I was using this at the deck. So, but, uh, okay. Anything else in this terrain layout other than the modifications to the cards that you want to I liked about? the fact that this has gotten rid of, like, the giant boxes. So if you remember from 9th edition Games Workshop terrain layouts, there were the people complained about there just being giant boxes, right? The giant squares of ruins that were obscuring. Oh, yeah. Notice yeah. that that doesn't exist. It's all rect. Everything's a rectangle. Uh, I don't, you know, with the change in terrain where there's not dense in the, or industrial terrain anymore, it's all just terrain. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, losing some of that detail has been one of the things I haven't liked about uh, 10th edition. But the fact that they don't tell you specifically, like, I mean, they're supposed to be ruins, but really that's all there really is. Uh, they don't really have the other train types on here, but I'm assuming there's ways to do this where like you could make you find something to fit what these little boxes are. Like if you had like a statue that's more than four inches tall and you plop it in a spot, maybe that would count for that. If you had other ruins attached to it, I don't know. I just they the fact that it's just all ruins. So it's like, OK, well, you had other train types, but you didn't put them on the layout. So are we just playing with ruins or not? Which makes me think we're going back. It's it's going back to 8th edition again in terms of terrain. Where like, more, if it's not more a ruin, abstract, I don't care. More abstract terrain. Right. Yeah. Um, right. So th- there's some stuff about the terrain rules and how cover works that I have not fully parsed about this edition. Like they use that language not fully visible uh, or fully visible, not fully right. visible, that I haven't had a chance to really break down just the implications of. Um and the way that vehicles can get covered as well. Uh, I haven't figured that out. I tried to yesterday, uh, but it was, you know, not to be, the situation didn't work out. Um, so I know that vehicles can get cover. I just don't know how common it's going to be. And if right. this, these terrain layouts are intended to, you know, enhance or suppress that effect. Gotcha, so. gotcha. Hmm. Well, and I guess then the last part was how to do pairings and rankings, which it's just, they, they oh, explain yeah. in detail. Like if you had to hand write out a Swiss pairings mechanism with strength of schedule, they explain uh, how that works, which is nice. So you can help people that are, that have, if they've never organized before, it's a nice way to help explain to somebody, like if they don't know how to use an app or what, like Best Coast pairings or something like that. Uh, and yeah. then like just the idea of like the difference between a three and one player that, won their first three games and then lost and then a player that lost their first game and then won three and and trying to set help people set expectation based on that i think that's yeah uh, it's a good thing you got to think about the mental state that people are in and and the timing of things because that, that does matter greatly i in my opinion and i like that they pointed that out and then there was like a little final bit of like it is at the end of the day it is a warhammer tournament what's the point the player across the table from you shares your love of warhammer and by the time the dust settles on the event mm-hmm. almost everyone will have lost a game with only basically one or two people depending on the size of the event going unbeaten so don't expect to win every game understand the person across from you is also a super warhammer nerd that's why like i've uh, even though i haven't gone i haven't played a single game 
I'm looking at that eight round uh, open in Tampa going, you know, if I'm not six and oh, do I really need to play the last two rounds when I could just, you know, <laughs> get go more beers to the zoo or something yeah. like as my sister's got um, like access to free tickets to like the aquarium, like, you know, why not go to Orlando and go to Di- like I could go to Disney or sit here and go. zero and eight. Yeah. You know, I might just hold the L on this one, guys, and go to Di- you know, it's like you just got to that. And that's what I like about this particular event where I'm going with my my 40K team. We're not just traveling halfway across the country to go play Warhammer. It's like we got a whole slew of things. So regardless of how the Warhammer turns out, I'm going to have a good time. And I think more people need to plan sort of that time around. I know like some people that are like married and have kids, like when they go to like LVO or something, they'll go and they'll stay extra days before and after. So that way they have time. There's to a lot of stuff to do in stuff. Vegas. And I think people other than play. That's, Warhammer, that's yeah. Way, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, and that's anywhere, I, like anywhere you go, like try and set that up. I, I think I might've, you might like you froze on me for just a second. So you may have already talked about this. Tell me if it did, but um, oh, no worries. I, uh, I like how they say that the third player ranking should be by total victory points. Because if you think about it, that was one of the big things that, that dictated. About that. That's good okay. Thing, yeah. Okay. So one of the things that really dictated, like, kind of tournament placing, and there was a bit of a controversy about it. Um, I don't know, a year, a year, and some change ago, uh, was like, okay, well, every game is zero to hundred points, right? And oftentimes, you know, the overall victor is determined by the player with the number of wins. And also with the number of wins, the total victory points scored, right? So, you know, like getting the pairing you want, right, is often about how many victory points you can score. So sometimes, you know, scoring the VP in a game has a very large impact, not just on your win of that game, but also your overall progression through a tournament, right? Whether to, hey, you know, I think I'm going to win. Like, I know I can win this game, but... I don't. I want to try and submarine and dodge the guy that I know I'm going to pair against if I score real high. So I'm going to play low, intentionally give up points. There's some kind of like, is that ethical? I don't know. Like, look, that's on you. Um, but let's look at how that's changed for 10th edition with these cards, right? And if you're playing tacticals, you have no idea what your maximum point score is. <laughs> it's, um, I think that one of the reasons they went to this, right. like this card system. Right and and primaries like we I played a game yesterday where you scored primaries by burning objectives, right? And it's not stands to play score points, stands to play score points. It's all about and, and so I was like I don't know how you would score you you can't score forty points on this primary. You just can't do it. There's not that many objectives to burn. So um, a bit of the card draw is right, going to really dictate what your your total victory point score is, and so. You really need to re. We need to reevaluate how we use victory points as like the first tiebreak or the number one thing for win path through a tournament, because it's just not going to be as relevant as it was. Right in ninth edition, it was predictable. You chose it. You planned for it, and so your ability to score points was a re- direct reflection on your ability to run right. the army and know your opponent. Right. So, so all of the Sun Tzu principles here, not so much. So I don't know how in multi-hundred player events, when you don't have a zero to hundred point score per game to add up, right, as a tie break, how we're gonna, how we're gonna sort that out. But we're gonna have to figure it out. So there you go. That's my comment. 
Well, and also think about the fact that that was one of the first things that got nerfed in time there was a balanced data slate in ninth was, oh, we're going to go mess with people's faction-specific secondaries mm-hmm. because there were too many auto-15s, or and yeah. we don't want that. So that by changing this the way you're talking about, that also changes a way that they balance the game. And I really like the idea of faction-specific secondaries because you know the asymmetric mission structure is really cool, but there were ones that were better than others, and a lot of people, you know, kind of had issue with that. And I, which I can understand. I can definitely see, like, you know, people saying you get fifteen victory points for staying in your deployment zone. Yeah, how is that fair? I don't know, man. <laughs> um, so now, yes, everyone has access to the same stuff, and so I, I think what's going to happen, like you, you just kind of pointed out, is if one of these secondaries is overperforming, they're going to nerf it, right? And that way, everyone gets that same hit. Right. And very, very few places in here, if any, uh, does it say, you know, infantry or troops, right? Or stuff like do these things. It's just a unit so that it can be, you know, knights, tanks, whatever, right? Everything interacts with the game in kind of the same way from an objective control standpoint. Right. And then uh, there are some changes right. also with this to data slate. So for Dark Angels, the only change was Black Knights had an increase of their AP of their crack grenade from the Stardust Grenade Launcher to AP2. Uh, for Space Marines, Captain Gravis Armor is now a leader in its core abilities. Hellblaster Squad had the standard firing profile, have the hazardous ability removed. And then the Primaris Chaplain added the infantry keyword. Plus, there were some points changes that came with this. I think yeah. from what I remember, the only two things that got points hikes were Desolation Squad and the whirlwind which made my initial list 65 points more than what it was when i we had the last podcast (laughs) which also makes this list that we have from capital city clash gt uh invalid at 2k now because there's three desolation squads priced at 120 but i would like to talk about Mm. jason watts list uh from this 39 person five round gt in tallahassee florida that took place on july 8th because he got second place and it wasn't his fault that they gave him a points hike not too long afterwards. What was the size of the event? Like how many people do you know? 39 players. I haven't had a chance. 39 players? GT says, there you go. Okay. And he is using the Unforgiven Task Force. Oh, no worries. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. So what do we got here? We got Azrael. Yeah. A chaplain in Terminator armor with a Heavenfall blade. The Lion, and a Primaris Apothecary. Okay. And the Apothecary has Stubborn Tenacity. Uh, Stubborn Tenacity, if I go to my cards, which one is that? I think you... There we go. So while the bear is leading That's the one that I use. That's where if the squad is below half strength... Yeah. No, if they are below starting strength, they get plus one to hit. If they're below, if they're right. battle shocked, they get plus one to wound as well. So yeah, so pretty easy to get below starting strength. You lose a guy, right? Um, and then you get plus one to hit. That doesn't sound terrible. So other data sheets, uh, Deathwing Knights, and then as you said, one, two, three, four Desolation squads. I don't think that's legal. Because no, you're only allowed to have there's two devastator and 
and two desolations. Oh, two devastators, two desolations. Okay, got it. There you go. So the so one of the devastator squads has grab cannons. One of them has las cannons. Um, and grab cannons are pretty good because they're anti vehicle two plus, right? Drop. Yep. Yeah. And yep. then he's got ten hell blasters. So dev squads are going in the drop. Uh, the pod, drop pod. I assume. Oh. The old graph pod, baby. <laughs> the old graph pod. Love it. Yep. Right, so yeah, you can put yep. um, last cannon, last cannons in there. Yeah. Um, hell, you could put the desolation squads in the drop pod, right? The drop pod's not restricted to to tacticus armor, is it? Or to to exclude tacticus armor? Like rhinos, no, I, you're not allowed to put tacticus armor. I think that was something they talked about specifically. Okay. I can check the data sheet here real quick. I think you can put stern guard in it, so I, I think it's okay. But um, so yeah, and then so we've got all right. So you said drop pod, ten hell blasters. There's so many data cards. Oh my god. There's so many. <laughs> uh, five scout snipers. A Thunderfire Cannon and then Yeah, it just says infantry assassin. models, so you could put the Hellblasters okay. in there if you really wanted to. Alright, so let's see what we got here. Uh this is a green wing, you know, I've got more bullets than you've got bodies list, I think. And then uh your li the lion is a chunky, just beefy unit in the middle, and he's gonna have that the probably the Terminator Chaplain join that Deathwing Knight Squad. And that's going to be a a lot of a lot to chew through. What do Terminator chaplains do again? What's their special rule? Uh, they give you plus one to wound in the fight phase. We talked about it on the last podcast. Oh no! Uh, oh my god! We were talking god. about stuff that's you can so do with Terminator good. squads, and I think they give you plus oh, wow. one to wound. Chaplain and Terminator yeah, armor. It's something like that because I remember we talked when we talked about it. Chaplain and Terminator armor. Abilities, litany of hate, plus one to wound, and while this model is leading a unit, they have yeah. feel no pain four plus against mortals. That doesn't suck. Um, and then he's e five two that's up five very relevant. wounds. Yeah, and then he has a crozius, which you've heaven fall, so now it's three damage, right? And he gets an extra attack, right? And all that, and um, all that stuff. Yeah. So enhancements, stubbornness, uh, no heavenfall. Yeah, so that's one to the attack, strength, and damage. If it's battle shock, it gets more than that. Gross. Okay. Um, Deathwing knights are yeah, their damage like with plus wound to wound, their damage output would be pretty good. It would be pretty good because now that strength six weapon is wounding on fours against most stuff. It's AP one. It's three. They're three damage. So. Yeah, and they're minus one damage. That's nice. Uh, and with a Terminator Chaplain, y'all. Mm. So what do you think he's doing with Azrael and the Apothecary? So so Azrael and the Apothecary, I'm assuming, are going to end up in that Hellblaster squad. Um, so That's they have what I think, too. Up and he can bring one back every turn. Well, so... I think the idea is he is that, wants one to die with the overcharge. Because if you think about it, the Hellblaster overcharges, right? One of them dies, and then now the unit's below starting strength, and so the rest of them all get plus one to hit. And then you kind of want to run with one dead. 
so that they all get plus one to hit. And then Azrael gives them sustained hits, uh, which is real spicy. Right, so you have plus and then for the one CP, you can give them lethal hits with the Unforgiven yeah. Fear, the Unforgiven uh, Stratagem, which is real good. Um, I, I also think that there might be a um, an alternate here where you could, if you wanted to, attach Azrael to one of the Desolation squads. Because Azrael and the Desolation squads, with that sustained hits and all those castle launchers... Squad. Is real good. Oh, he can't. Why can't he? Oh no! no Might have been doing this wrong. Have I been thinking about this wrong? I forgot that they had things they can only do on their cards. It says on his, oh, I got his card here. I'm so mad. Assault intercessor I'm squad. So mad. Blade guard, hellblasters, infernus intercessor, stern guard vet. I'm so mad right now. Okay. It's okay, Heath. We've all been there. We've all been there. So I tried to do right it now. the other day, and then my buddy was like, "You can't do that." And then I looked. I'm like, "You're right." He's going in the Hellblaster squad. Well, I did that yesterday, and I shouldn't have done that, so I'm gonna have to apologize. <laughs> so, because I, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think about looking at this, looking at the card. So my bad. Um, right. Well, and now we know that yeah, there's there in the back. You, you are the reason why he so they specifically those. didn't let him have yeah. be in that didn't squad. Didn't allow that. The, yeah, the interaction and we'll know why should not be he allowed. allowed in that squad. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I put Azrael with 10 Desolation Marines. Uh, and when you give them lethal hits and sustained hits, it's it's a lot. You know, you shoot it into a squad of 10, into a squad of 10, um, and a lot of, it's a lot of rounds downrange. Like, that Desolation squad started the game behind Obscuring Terrain, moved in, turn one, moved into the Obscuring Terrain, so now it could see through it, and then... I popped the Unforgiven Fury stratagem, so they had lethal hits. And then uh, a unit was battle shocked, so my Hellblasters got blown out of their Impulsor. So then sustained hits and lethal hits triggered on five plus. And I put something like like so it was like thirty five Castle and shots or thirty six Castle and shots into a unit of uh, Chaos Terminators and. With lethal hits, you know, I probably got like 10 or 12 lethal hits and then another 10 or 12 additional hits from sustained, right? And they're my Oath of Moment target. And it just, even though it's AP zero and they're two up saves, I killed two or three of them with just the castle launchers. And then the missiles, right? Sustained hits five plus on those crack missiles is gnarly. Right. You know, it, so, so, um, there we go. <laughs> my bad. Didn't even think to look at the back of the card. Um, Ninth edition mindset. It happens. Permissive rule set. It so, um, that's that's so, yeah. part of the reason why we're here and we do this is so we can help each other be better. Mm-hmm. I feel stupid. <laughs> I'm supposed to be better than that. Uh, okay, but yeah. So clearly they're going to go in the Hellblasters. That makes that's what it's for. The, that being said, you're not required to declare the. Um, I, I think reading this little rule set here. You know, like, step one, you muster your army as described in the core rules. Two, you determine the mission. Three, you read the mission. Four, you place objectives. Five, you create the battlefield. Six, you determine attack or defender. Seven, you select secondaries. Eight, you declare battle formations. Right? Um, in the order below, you pick your lead, what leader is going to start attached, where your transports are going to go, who's in reserves. So I don't think that you can pick your, like, 
type of detachment, but you can definitely pick who's attached to what. So as we get more experience with 10th edition, it may be that we end up deciding to um, you know, kind of have some flexibility. Say, okay, well, for this type of matchup, I'm going to join these squads right, to get this benefit. But in this type of matchup, I'm going to do this thing. Like, I was thinking... Uh, like Black Knights, right, I think Samael, a, a and a Terminator, yes. and, and, a, and a bike, and a bike chaplain, right? Like, do I need to charge with the with the Black Knights? Samael's going in there to get the advance and charge, and to get Samael's weapon, the anti character, or the anti infantry, anti sorry, anti vehicle, anti monster four plus. Do I need to shoot with them? The chaplain's going in there to right. give their uh, plasma guns devastating wounds. So just, that's the kind of thing I was thinking. Okay, maybe we'll maybe I'll get to this level of proficiency at some point. All right, anyway, um, so Grav Cannon, Laz Cannon, 10 Hellblasters, Scout Snipers. Um, I've heard a lot of people talk about Scout Snipers um, because they have the stealth rules. So you just can't shoot them, right? They're basically lone operatives. Yeah, which is pretty spicy. And five, five sniper rifles with precision is pretty good. Um and can they do the move after shoot thing, or am I thinking eliminators? Oh, like those are our eliminators. I'm pretty sure they're the ones that do that. Okay. So uh, then there's uh, let me see and if then I there's can... a thunder fire cannon and an allied Claudius oh, yeah. assassin, which is the T fire cannon. Have you ever the T fire cannon Claudius? because I have. I have so much fun. I have. <laughs> this is... Yeah, hey, turns out your sergeant was not your sergeant this whole time. It was actually a crazy lady with a knife that is going to murder everybody. So, desperately scolding to look up snipers. Yeah. Um, all right, so what do scout snipers do? Good lord. All right, here we go. Abilities. Um, yeah, the concealed positions. They, they, they basically have lone operator. They can only be a range targeted as a range attack if the attacking model is within 12. And they have infiltrators, which means they can deploy outside your deployment zone. Right? And they can take a missile launcher. And they've got those sniper rifles. And those sniper rifles hit on threes and they're heavy. And they're minus two, two damage now. I didn't know that. But they're not devastating wounds. So... They're just strength four, AP two, two damage, one shot, 36 inch. But yeah, they don't do devastating wounds, but they are precision and two damage. That's 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 nice. Okay. Um Yeah, okay. They can, no heavy bolts meta. Form, like no. if you're going into Gene Steeler Colt meta or in a uh Right. Mechanicus, like if you're going into like right, guard or yeah. guard or Gene Steeler Colt, yeah. Yeah, a lot um, of characters, a lot of T three bodies. I could see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, not being able to be shot by Eldari devastating wounds is real is probably pretty nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, good good on you, sir, for bringing home the bacon for the first legion early in the edition. Um, I think uh, yeah, this is a, this is a cool list. Um. The Deathwing Knights and the Chaplain is an interesting combination. I wonder why he's doing the Deathwing Knights instead of the Command Squad like everybody else. Maybe the damage reduction 
is what he's is what he's after. Uh, so okay, um, that's all I'm uh, really comment hits, about that. The here. hitting is different too because the maces have never had. Yeah, I checked. They hit the on twos. I think that's the that's maces hit on twos. They absolutely do. That's that's the difference. There's another. That's the difference. Yeah, there's another Dark Angels player at the uh, store I was at last night, uh, and he was playing a squad of Deathwing Knights, and they they held their own. They you know did okay. So these all right. these maces are damage three. That's another reason to play yeah, these things. Uh-huh. Four attacks damage. Yeah, they're only three. AP one, and they're oh they're four attacks. Oh, I mean wow. it's not devastating wounds. But that's but more attacks, better hits. <laughs> so. Not as strong as as a Thunderhammer, but three. Hmm. Ugh. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. I all right, like Deathwing Knights. I see you. I oh, see you have you. sustained hits and devastating wounds on the flail. Okay. Okay. I yeah. like it. I like yeah. it. So, okay. Um. Well, what else do you want to talk about? So we kind of talked about this list. Uh, you want to run down some of our initial games? I could talk about this illegal list that I played. <laughs> okay. Sure. I mean, do you want me to go first? Because I only had one. Sure, you have go multiple, ahead. So you can you can talk about progressions and changing things, I can, and I yeah. can't do that. Okay, right, yeah, go so, ahead. Uh, because of my lack, my lack we're going to go... I'll go, and uh, so I was running... Two Inceptor squads, semi or not semi L, and three bike uh, Blackwing Knight, Ravenwing Knights, Black Knights, uh, the Impulsor with Azrael and five Hell Blasters, like you talked about, because I thought that would be fun to try. So I did that. I tried the Phobos Librarian in the Infiltrator squad. Funny, my mm. room, my opponent didn't have any deep striking, so that wasn't nearly as much fun as I thought it was going to be, but it was still worked uh, a little bit. I had the Captain with the Command Squad and the Captain Terminator in the Command Squad with the stubborn tenacity. Uh, five Desolation Marines, and I told my opponent, like, I'm not doing this because they're good. It's I literally just finished painting them, which was a consequence of the fact that it was a hobby challenge because everyone was playing with them uh, that I got them painted. But it's like, I just painted them. I wanted to try them. Uh, I left the Whirlwind in my box. I didn't pull that out. Um, then, let's see, I feel like there, I had Intercessor Squad and then the Reaver Squad, which... I didn't get as much use out of, but it did score a bunch of points because I used the t- I used the tactical cards. Uh, I we did the uh, triangle deployments across the long board edge. Uh, layout, yeah, that's I did layout I one. Sweeping engage, sweeping engagement. I think, yeah. Uh, yep, yep, that's what it is. And then uh, chilling rain was the mission rules, so there weren't any special mission rules. And then we were doing purge, so you got f- points for having an objective and more and then you got points for killing and killing more so it felt real classic uh 40k there real classic okay. 8th edition itc yeah uh, my opponent had four, a work or not yeah okay yeah three gotcha. death dreads with three custom mega blasters which, which was <laughs> okay which was ridiculously good three squads of three killicans three of the uh, big mechs to go with the three death dreads and then a shock attack big mech and four mega knobs with a custom force field big mech inside the Gorkonon. So 
why wouldn't oh, I, you take oh, fixed objectives? Hammer strike and a thunder strike. And bring it. Oh, nice. Okay, good. Why would you take fixed so you can get bring it down? That's a lot of vehicles. Does uh, I don't know. This, uh, I was just going I like that's, that's a that's a lot of pinata. That that is part, part of it to? is that's the fact fine. that I didn't really because I didn't I don't have the cards. He brought the cards because he had the Leviathan box, and he was like, "Do you know what objectives you want?" I'm like. Can I okay. just like take the cards and draw them? And he's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to do that. And partly because that was something about 8th edition that I <laughs> really, enough. really enjoyed. I really enjoyed it. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to, I'll do it because in, I had a feeling going to, cause like what we talked about when I sent you the list, you said, I think you're going to suffer with long range shooting into heavy vehicle armies. And what did I play a heavy vehicle army? And I was like, <laughs> okay, great. So uh, I guess yeah. we're kind of toast. Uh, I'll take the tactical just because I like that play style where I can turn every, Every turn into a mini game because I had kind of this feeling that things were not going to go well. Well, I got to go first. That was a big win to go first. And yeah. I picked the Gorkonaut with Mega Knobs inside of it as my oath target. Shot it first with the Thunder Strike, so everything got plus one to wound against it. And then just watched the dice fly. And I was like, oh my god. I understand why people are mad about this. This is a lot of uh, people do not like it at the nice. moment because like, it's, I'm not gonna lie. it's really, everything. really good. Yeah. yeah really good <laughs> yeah i had some stuff that was not really meant for killing things that big and we picked up that gorkonaut and then in the next turn i picked up the morkonaut in close combat because in the most 40k thing ever semi on the bikes charge it they do a bunch of wounds get him down to like one wound and then the last intercessor attack plinks him and does the one last damage point to kill him after he, on his turn, nice. brought the Morkonaut up and killed the Hellblasters, nice. killed a, an Impulsor, charged the Hellblasters, killed all the Hellblasters, left Ezreal. So between Ezreal, Semiel, actually no, Ezreal went off to go fight Meganobs and died horribly. Um, that part was not good. Uh, the one thing that was cool, too, uh, that I thought was cool playing this, was the Inceptors. I was able to use their Deep Strike just outside 3 inches to drop into his back line on top of the Shock Attack gun, big mech and one of his other big mechs and just blow them apart with plasma because he couldn't screen me out and then use lone operator to protect them because I could just drop in right on top of them. Uh, so the, that was nice. Wait, and I also had engagement the... fronts that turn. So I dropped reavers in one table quarter inceptors in the other, and then had the other ones locked down for max points. Okay. So I know the inceptors can drop three inches away. Right, but they don't get lone operator when they do it. Are you talking about the reavers for the lone operator? Or do they? Gah, I hate not knowing rules. Yeah. I hate not knowing rules. Uh, Inceptor, uh, reavers have reavers have precision, but I was getting away with it because I could deep strike within three inches, and I could make the him that orc model the closest enemy model, and whatever oh, character rules. I was like, I don't care what the character rules are in tenth. I'm going to make this guy yeah. the guy I'm hosing and, and you can't stop me because you deny him his screening me yeah. out. And okay. You, I see what you're saying. I have to be really screened out. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so that was fun. Uh, I kept trying to reroll my leadership checks on my terminators that had stubborn tenacity on the terminator captain because i kept trying to get myself battle shocked because i wanted the plus one to wound because i found that trying to fight a death dread and mega knobs with terminators without any re-rolls 
or buffs whatsoever is terrible. Like it's not fun. Like I can under like as powerful yeah. as Oath of the Moment is, uh, not having Oath of the Moment on something is not like you're like oh like I struggle whereas previously I didn't. And I also point out that uh, not having tra- permanent transhuman is real like like we got to get used to as dark angels players terminators being almost a trade piece again because they like these mega knobs came in and they didn't even have kill saws they just had killer claws and they just they picked them all up and i'm like oh boy i don't remember my terminators dying this i mean but they do that t5 and Uh, four plus symbols the last sort of fun thing that happened is he tried to come get my desolation marines at the end and at the end of his movement phase i overwatched the big mech coming to get me and I got one hit in with a crack missile, wounded him. He failed to save, and then I rolled max damage to one shot him with Overwatch in his movement <laughs> phase. And I was like, "All right, that's nice. kind of a fun new thing you can do in tenth. Uh, it's not going to win me the game. I've already lost, but I did enjoy the fact that I could kind of snipe this character right at the end when he was coming to get me. I also got a lot of use out of the sticky objective with the intercessors because I never had to stand out in the open and guard this one objective because they stickied it and then ran away. So that yeah. is that was my ninth edition or tenth edition experience so far. I could see where people were mad about certain things, uh, but I enjoyed sort of the interactions. I need to figure out how to use command points. I never really found a way to a real use for them other than like doing rerolls. Um, my experience is that so armor contempt is really good. It's a good defensive stratagem because you know, like they just turn down the AP by one or two pips on almost everything, um, and so taking away what little AP they do have is actually really nice. Uh, and the fact that you can use it on vehicles makes them like it gives me basically a five up invul save, right? Unless it's like Necron AP four stuff. Um, so. I mean, that's something. Um, and then, I re- like, the Unforgiven Fury. Uh, there's a couple of the Dark Angel stratagems that are really nice for just spiking your damage output. Uh, that's what I have ended up using for, but I'll talk about that in a second. So, based on what you saw in this game, uh, is there anything you're planning on doing different immediately, changing, uh, or, you know, leaving the same? So, one of the things I picked up was that Terminators are not what they used to be, and so I need more of them. And I plan on making the command squad bigger. And the thing that I also picked up on that it's kind of a meme, you could get real memey with it, but I think there is some play in this in a more competitive sense. That if you look at what Primaris or not the the chief librarians used to do, where once per game or once per turn you could bring or battle on you could bring back a guy uh, in in your command phase. Well, now that the apothecaries are in different squads. And you also have the character Primaris Apothecary. You can bring back multiple dudes for free. You don't, it doesn't cost any command points or extra points to just run the unit or run the character, and you can start bringing back lots of characters. To the song of, you know, we're talking about three Ravenwing mm, command squads, yeah. three Deathwing command squads, three regular command squads, and three Primaris Apothecary. So potentially, I mean, I don't know what the points work out to be, but potentially there's room for 12 Space Marine models, theoretically, to come back every turn, which is a huge like shadow buffs for Marines, uh, if you think about it. And so that's something I think I might lean into more, like running multiple command squads of Deathwing so I can get those extra Terminators because they're not, you know, not having Mm. permanent transhuman, huge difference, huge difference in the game. 
uh, and and then yeah, them also sure. not having all the rerolls outside of Oath of the Moment, uh, the, and the, the way the buffs work now, and the not, and then I need to find a way to use my command points better because I had a bunch of command points, and I'm like, I don't quite know what to do with these because the stuff I used to do I can't do anymore. So, the, to me, that I think that's what's going to be the big change going forward. So, Heath, what was it like uh, for you? Well, let's let's hear about your games. Okay, uh, yeah, so I played three games of. There are two, three 2,000-point games of 10th edition so far. Uh, the first one was against Necrons. It was right after the points dropped. We didn't have the mission packs, so we were kind of making a lot of stuff up with terms of the missions. Um, it was just the first time to see kind of how everything worked. Uh, what I took away from that was that, you know, my initial list I discussed in the last episode, so Big Brick of Hellblasters, Big Brick of Deathwing Command Squad, the Lion, Azrael, Redemptor, um, the so redemptors, you know, anything that's strength nine or below doesn't count as anti-vehicle anymore. It just doesn't. Um, you need you need to have some some high strength shooting with range. Uh, Hellblasters are not anti-vehicle anymore. They're anti-infantry. They're anti-heavy infantry, but anti-infantry. Uh, I in a pinch, maybe using the stratagem to give them lethal hits will will work, but I wouldn't count on it. So. Um, that was really what I learned from that game. Uh, mobility okay. is going to be very important because moving around the board to do stuff like my big 10 man block of terminators just wasn't super mobile. And once I lost my, uh, repulsor, um, you know, in the line, I just, I just couldn't move to the objectives as fast as the Necron player did with the two blades and the teleporting transcendent Catan, which could not die. Um, so Necrons are real good. Uh, there's a combo where you can put like a reanimator next to a ghost arc next to 20 Necron warriors. And the way their reanimation protocols work is not intuitive because every time you shoot at them, uh, so, so normally the way it works is they just get based their reanimation protocols is D3 wounds back, whether that's D3 models or D3 wounds on a model, right? It just heals up to one. And then spawns another one. You get D3 wounds back. Necron warriors get D6 wounds back. If they're on an objective, it's D3 plus 3. If they're being led by a character, it's plus 1 to that. <laughs> so, um, and then the reanimator lets right. them, the reanimator of the Ghost Rock 1 and 2 lets them trigger the reanimation protocols a second time. Right. And then the other one lets them trigger the reanimation protocols in both command phases instead of just theirs. Right. And then they have a stratagem that lets them immediately trigger reanimation protocols. So basically, if you shoot at this 20 man brick of warriors with all the supporting pieces, it's just, there's just going to be more by the time you're done. Because as soon as the attack resolves, he can trigger reanimation protocols for a CP. Right. Get D6 plus three plus, sorry, D3 plus three plus one if he's on an objective. And then for the overlords, use a stratagem again for free, targeting the same unit to do it again, right? And then if he needs to, the ghost art can let him do it again. So basically, Necron, it's like a 700, 800 point little package, but it means that you know, it's, it's really tough to deal with. Anyway, okay. um, ugh, yeah. But, um, you know, the Oath of the Moment focused, so like I focused down this Lich Guard, all kinds of other stuff. But uh, they have a bunch of real high strength, long range shooting that just tore my vehicles apart. So, um, 
And the Lion did not kill a Transcendent Catan. The Transcendent Catan is too tough. It's got a four up in both save. Four up. Uh, or it halves all incoming damage. And uh, it had a four, us, four up field no pain. Woof. So uh, that was that was my first game. Uh, my second game. Hold on, I'm going to grab my phone. Uh, sir. Okay. I had my phone next to the window because this is all going over my cell phone <laughs> because the internet in my hotel room sucks so bad. Um, so the second game uh, was against Death Guard. Death Guard aren't in a great place, from what I understand, uh, but the idea was... So this was like the last week of 9th edition, and I brought a list to play like a meme 9th edition game, just like a finale farewell. Um... And everyone at the game store wanted to play 10th edition. So I turned everything into a 10th edition list. So here's what it was. Uh, it was the Lion, a Talon Master, a Primaris Tech Marine, a Brutalis Dreadnought, a Contemptor Dreadnought, a, a Castroferum Dreadnought, so a Box Dreadnought, a Redemptor Dreadnought, and oh a Leviathan Dreadnought and another Redemptor Dreadnought. Uh, and then an Infiltrator Squad and a Desolation Squad. So the name of this list is Big Dreadnought Energy. And Bailey, this list slapped. Like, oh yeah, my god, it was <laughs> it was so good. Um, Mortarian went down Amazing. like on turn, like early turn two. Uh, and it just tore everything apart. Um, this is also a game where I learned that you absolutely have the you know the line in the middle of everything with that four up film of pain against mortal wounds, giving to all the dreadnoughts. Oh my god, <laughs> it was it was it was good. Now we didn't really play objectives; we just like played you know sit an objective and, and, and shoot. But it did a lot of damage. It was a lot of fun. So um, not much to report there, other than. You know, hail the dreadnoughts. Uh, so anyway, uh, third game I played I yesterday, uh, and this was like you know with everything. You know, we got the mission cards right. Uh, so here's the list I played. Um, knowing that I had been thinking I need more range firepower, so what I gotcha. did was I took uh, the lion as a warlord because I gotta. I took Azrael. Uh, an Ancient and Terminator armor with the Pennant of Remembrance, uh, an Impulsor uh, with a Bellicostus Array, uh, and then a Deathwing Command Squad uh, with a... So the two... This was a five-man Deathwing Command Squad uh, with a Assault Cannon and Power Fist and a Storm Shield Thunderhammer on the two non-character uh, guys. Obviously, the Ancient joins that squad. I had a 10-man Desolation Squad, a five-man Hellblaster Squad, three-man Black Knights, a Land Raider, and a Repulsor Executioner with the Heavy Laser Destroyer. That's it. So the nice. Terminators get in the Land Raider. The Repulsor sits off to the side. I can put guys in it if I want. I can not put guys in it. It's fine because the Hellblasters go in the Impulsor. Um, and uh, the Land Raider has a lot of good shooting because those Godhammer Last Cannons are strength... 12. I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah, strength 12, minus 3, D6 plus 1, Something two like shots that. each. Look. So, no, I got it. So they're not they're not twin-linked. They are two shots each. So this thing still gets four Alaskan shots, which is not good. <laughs> um, and it has an HK missile, and it has a multi-melta, and it has a storm bolter, right? And it has a twin heavy bolter, right? Oh, yeah. So this thing's got a lot of guns, and it's... You know, toughness twelve with sixteen wounds and two up save. It's it's survivable, um, and you can move and jump to let terminators out of it, which which I did. So um, my opponent was uh, chaos. Uh, it was you know he had uh, a ten man brick of terminators with Abaddon in the middle, uh, a hellbrute which has some buff to the dark packs in the middle. He had a vindicator. A rhino. The rhino had ten chosen in it. Uh, he had a five-man havoc squad, uh, and then he had ten cultists to sit in his backfield, and then he had a five-man um, warp, like warp talons, I think, and then he had two obliterators. Think I've got everything. I think that's everything. Yeah. So um, we deployed. It was sweeping engagement. So the triangles, you know, with the on the long edge. Um, and then it was the primary mission yep. was the one where you have to burn the objectives, which I can't find the card right now. But it was the one where you have to burn, you get five points if so on battle round, you know two, three, four, and five. If you stand on an objective and declare that you're going to burn it, basically you don't shoot. Then on beginning of your next command phase, the objective is destroyed and you get five victory points. Um, and then the second, and I chose tactical secondaries. Uh, he chose fixed secondaries. He chose bring it down and uh, engage on all fronts. And I don't, and uh, it was not a great choice for him. Um, so uh, my, so I chose, uh, yeah. So I chose, because uh, the way secondaries work with this, when you choose tactical is you uh, pick your first two secondary objectives, but they cannot be the ones that have the, the that are potentially fixed objectives. You can draw those later, but they can't be the ones that you start with. So I chose um, where to go. Sorry, I had to pull up my ITC Babel app. Boop. Um, my first two were defend stronghold and extend battle lines. So extend battle lines is if you control an objective uh, outside of your deployment zone and the one in your deployment zone at the end of your turn, you score five victory points. So I was like, okay, I can do that on turn one. I guarantee it. I'm going to do that. So, um, and then the defense stronghold was, well, I'm going to hold my objective for at least one turn. So I'm going to get that out of the way, right? And then draw, and this so I can draw it. Um, and you can't score that on turn on battle round one. So uh, the game starts. Uh, I'm the attacker. He's the defender. He goes first. Um, and so he moves everything forward. He can't really shoot a whole lot because he doesn't have the range. Um, oh, his, his Havocs shoot my Impulsor and kill it. Uh, and then the Hellblasters get out. Nothing dies, oh. but they're battle, but they're battle shocked. Like, okay, I'm into this. So then... My, that was the only thing that happened on his first turn. My first turn, uh, I move, you know, the, the Azrael and his Desolation Squad that he's not allowed to join, uh, which I found out just now on this podcast. 
uh, into this ruin that was my little ruin in the middle of the in kind of like on my side of the of the midboard. And they he had moved his chosen his terminators and Abaddon right into the middle of the board to provide like kind of counterplay to the objective that was right off the center. And it was uh, and they just I declared the chosen sorry the terminators as my oath of moment target and just put everything into them. Um, and as previously discussed, it was effective. They did a lot right. of damage. Um, Azrael's anti-character, like anti-infantry combi weapon plasma is crazy. Does mortal wounds everywhere. Um, it was good. It did a lot of damage. Um, okay. One of the things I did find out, my repulsor slid over with the intent of counterfiring his vindicator. Uh, the chaos have a stratagem they can use, or a Nurgle marked units. Uh, gets the shrouding, so it basically can't be targeted unless you're within 12 inches. So I was like, oh, well, now my I can't shoot that Vindicator. I didn't know that was the thing they could do. So I sl- shifted over, and the Repulsor shot everything into the Havoc Squad, killed all but one of them. Okay. Uh, the Land Raider moved up, shot into Terminators as well. Uh, my Black Knights uh, slid over to try and get to a, another the objective on my right-hand side. Uh, the lion moved up to the middle of the board, touched the objective, and said, Abaddon, come at me, bro. Come at me. <laughs> the land raider moved up to give him the uh, lone, certain, lone operative. Let's get it. And uh, just, like, crack the knuckles. Like, your daddy couldn't do it. He was so scared, he sent me to the other side of the galaxy. You going to take <laughs> care of this? Um, much, much shit talking was had. Bleep that out. Anyway. Um, so battle, <laughs> so, uh, this, this, this dude, uh, lovely guy named Samuel, uh, down here, uh, at Portsmouth, uh, the, the, uh, Portsmouth location for Atlantic comics and games in Northern Virginia. Uh, really, really great store. Um, well, I killed 10 Terminators with the combined fire of all those Marines. He did not see that coming. He's like, oh my God, what just happened? Like, sorry. It was the moments really good. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, so I passed the turn to him, um, Abaddon. He's like, all right, Abaddon and Helbert, they're going to do this. And so Abaddon moves to the center of the board. Uh, the Vindicator shoots, and it kills. Uh, it does a lot of damage to my repulsor. It puts it down to three wounds. Um, I lo- like. I think my Hellblasters get shot at. They don't die. They, none of them get hurt. Uh, or maybe one. I think, well, I think I lost one of them. Uh he gets his ten chosen out of the rhino he had in his back. You know, he had behind his vindicator. They run up. You know, they get out of the rhino. They advance. They move right uh, up to where so they were going to get into where all their combi weapons were. So they're going to try and hit the desolation squad in this in this uh, big ruin and kind of on my side of the midboard and stop there. That was a bad idea. Um, and then his warp talons jumped over. They were going to start moving towards the objective, my, my right side, his left side. Uh, and then he dec- he was going to try and burn his home objective. Turns out you can't do that. He didn't know that. I didn't know that. I was like, okay. So he declared it, and it was going to happen on his next turn. So um, the hell the hell brute shoots its multi-melt. The land raider bounces off. Abaddon shoots uh, his talon, the talon of Horus, into... At, into the lion, it bounces off. Abaddon dark pacted to make the talon more effective, failed his leadership test, and took three mortal wounds from the dark pact. 
like, look, man, the chaos gods are clearly here to tell you this was not a good idea. Don't don't go fight the lion. It's not going to work out. <laughs> um, so then he charges the lion. The lion fights first. The lion does a lot of damage. Uh, you know, two armor or two uh, of the strike hits from Fealty get through his invul save. That's going to be eight damage. He rerolls one of them, makes a four up save, so he's alive with two wounds left. He fights. Uh, Drachnian hits at strength 14, and it has devastating wounds. He dark packed it again, but passed it this time. Uh, he did three mortal wounds. I pass. I made several of the saves with the Watcher in the Dark. Uh, failed one of my invul saves. Rerolled it to a pass. Right. So a Baden and Lion are scrumming in the middle of the board. That was the end of battle round one. Or sorry, of uh, of the top of turn two. Uh, top of battle round two. Um. Yeah. Battle okay. round. So, so my turn. Actually- yeah. It was. It was. It was a put. It was go. So uh, my turn in battle round two. Uh, oh, so I, I move my my repulsor to up within twelve inches of his vindicator to to you know make to get the shot. He overwatches with the vindicator, dark packs to get sustained hits, gets like two sixes, so it gets four hits right and and kills the repulsor executioner on overwatch with a freaking Uh-oh. vindicator. Okay, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Um, and then, uh, oh, my uh, my land raider. Uh, Scary. So all, all my terminators, I move the land raider up to the middle of the board. All the terminators jump out, right? Um, so they get into the middle of the board. So one can look over and see, or can see the warp talons, and the rest are looking towards the middle where there's a hellroot and Abaddon. Uh, and then the land raider can see across the middle of the board to his rhino and to his vindicator, their 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 sides. So I say, okay, I'm going to shoot the vindicator. Right. Or sorry, the land raider is the vindicator. Are you going to use that stratagem? He's like, yeah. So I so he does. So I shoot the uh, the rhino. It dies. Right. Just. Oh wait, hold on. I shot the vindicator. I did like eight damage to it. I did a bunch of damage to it, but didn't kill it. Um, the Hellbl- or the Desolation Squad goes. They're standing still in the middle of the ruin, right in front of everything. So they put their crack nine crack missiles into the Rhino. And then their Castellan launchers indirect fire over to the cultists. And then uh the Ven- and then the Vengor launcher at the uh, warp talons. Kill all the cultists kill all but like one or two of the warp talons, kill the rhino. And then Azrael's plasma com- or combi plasma does a bunch of damage to the chosen. The hell blasters shoot the chosen or the, the, uh, the chosen. They're my oath of moment target do a whole bunch of damage. Like half of the chosen are dead. Um, and they're led by a exalted champion and a master of possession. Right. So they have a feel no pain. Um, and then I charge the chosen with the desolators and Azrael. I charge the uh, Hellbrute with my Terminators. Uh, all the warp talons are dead from the the ancillary shooting from the Land Raider. 
My Ravenwing bikes are on that corner objective, declared they're going to blow it up. He lost his cultists uh, from it, from shooting. The Terminators go in, and I've flipped the, uh, the lion this turn. Instead of the four up, feel no pain, I flip him to the plus one to hit from Martial Exemplar. Uh, those five command squads wreck that hell. All right. They just wreck it. Right, that chain fist hitting on threes now instead of fours, boom! Oh yeah, right, yeah. And then the ancient with terminator armor with his thunder hammer, get gone, just gone. I only needed to roll the chain fists. I didn't even need to roll anything else. Um, so Love it. yeah, uh, <laughs> the uh, desolators. He's like, you're charging the chosen with the desolators. I'm like, yep. Like they don't have swords, but they're still space marines. They have three attacks apiece. Here's 30 attacks. Guess what? Azrael's with them. They had sustained hits. You can't do that, though. You can't do that. That's not okay. Um, but yeah. they're still re-rolling everything, right? So 30 attacks, re-rolling everything. You know, right. hits and wounds. Kills all the rest of them. <laughs> and then, like, the master of executions is left, and Azrael just <laughs> no. knocks his head off. Um, and then... The, you know, like, so the lion goes and fights first, fights Abaddon, whoops him, right? Abaddon goes down. They have a stratagem to fight on death. Abaddon fights on death uh, into the lion, does like three mortal wounds. So I'm down to, I'm down to four wounds left. All, you know, gets four or five hits through with Drachnian, save all of them. No big deal. So. Nice. End of battle round two, the middle of the board is five Deathwing Command Terminators, a Land Raider, and the Lion. He has one Havoc Sergeant, one Half-Dead Vindicator, and two Obliterators on the on the board. And that is it. Um, Dang. It was a bloodbath. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, oh, it sounds like it. You really put the boots to him. Yeah, so uh, I score Defense Stronghold at the end of his second turn. Um, and then I drew Deploy Teleport Homer uh, and bring it down. So when I got to the middle of the board and held the middle of the board, I deployed a Teleport Homer, scored that, and then I killed the Hellbrute, the Vindicator, and the Rhino, and that was a bunch of bring it down points, and we called it after that. So... Um, this was a low-scoring game because as we scored it, like at the beginning nice. of turn four, it was seventeen to thirty-four in my favor. So, yeah, um, CP usage. Um, when you're playing the lion, I always you're always going to want to keep a CP in reserve to reroll an invulnerable save. Um, those two dark angel stratagems for so uh, here's what I've cut. So uh, unforgiven fury. So basically, you can give something lethal hits, uh, which is good, right? Um, and a 10-man Desolation Squad with lethal hits, those castle launchers all of a sudden don't care about the fact that they're Strike 4. They're going to do a lot of damage, right? And if anything in your army is Battleshocked, i.e. those Hellblasters that got knocked out of their tank, now they're Battleshocked, and that's triggering on 5s instead of 6s. So, Yeah. Um, so it between sounds like that, a, uh, an important Dark Angel strategy is going to be put something in a tank and let the tank get blown up early yeah. so that you have something battle-shocked automatically so everything goes better. It, it, it could be. It very well could be. Um, yeah. Uh, so f And fire discipline, 
uh, until the one Astartes unit that has not been selected to shoot, one CP, until the end of the phase, ranged weapons equipped by models in that unit have assault, heavy, and ignore cover. So um, this is great because you can either advance yeah, and shoot, right? Or you can stand still and get plus one to hit, or you can ignore cover, right? So even if you, des you move your Desolators, one CP, you can give them ignore cover. You can give your Hellblasters ignore cover because they already have assault and heavy. You can advance. This also means you can advance and shoot your tanks, right? And they ignore cover when they do it. That's real good. Oh, okay, uh, I like that's, that. That's real good. No restrictions. Once again, and a Stardust unit. Um, and then also nice. Remember, intractable. You can for one CP, and a like unit it. can fall back and shoot and charge again. So the lion can fall back, shoot, yeah, and charge. Very useful. Right? Very underrated then, power. Yeah, yeah, and then um, Grim Retribution. What I should have done with one of those is like, because he is, he shot his uh, Vindicator into my Desolator squad, killed two of them. I had spent two CP on Overwatch to try and you know, to try, as he moved past me to try and kill him. I should have held the CP, and instead, you know, when he killed one of them, used Grim Retribution. And want to start a unit for your army that have one or more models destroyed as a result of an attack, you immediately get to shoot back. <laughs> and you're not hitting on sixes anymore. Yeah, you're hitting cool. on your full ballistic skill. So that's that's pretty good. Um, so yeah, th that's oh, there's a yeah. lot of opportunity to use Love CP. It. And I, I like keeping Azrael outside of a vehicle because putting them with the Hellblasters so putting them in a thing... On turn one, he's not going to be on the battlefield, so he's not going to get a CP. I know there's been a lot of discussion about like CP generation on the Dark Angels Facebook pages that, that Alan's been moderating. Um, and I, I just don't see how you can generate a CP from Azrael if he's in a tank, right? No, rules don't happen when you're not on the battlefield. There's some consternation about that. I think we're just going to wait for some FAQs, uh, but I, I don't think that happens. So, um, so yeah. Right. That's um, fair. Overall, like, look, this list, those four last cannons on that on that land raider are real good, right? The ten missile launchers on those on those desolators are real good, right? That repulsor executioner, I think, got a seventy-two inch range with D six plus four, and it's got a lot of pretty good anti-infantry shooting as well. Um, I I liked this list. The thing I probably would do differently is instead of the black knights. I would take an Outrider squad. It's the same price. The reason why is because the Outriders have another wound, and the I don't need the Black Knights to fight anything, right? Yeah, they can, but um, eh, like they, they didn't. Like what I need them to do is play the tactical objectives. So um, I'm losing, you know, the you know the Knights of Caliban rule, uh, and their you know. Three attacks right. with the strength five AP two melee weapon, but the thing is, they have a twelve inch move and they don't have that turbo boost auto advance anymore. Whereas uh, outriders do, right? So outriders have uh, that turbo boost, which is the auto six inch advance. Uh, that's their only special rule, but they can have they can take an invader. I don't think I have points for it in this list, um, but their melee weapons they get four attacks with a chain sword which is AP minus one. And AP is hard to come by. Um, or they could go with a close combat weapon, which is AP zero. So if you need AP, get one less attack. So that's 12 attacks, um, which doesn't suck, right? It'll 
let's see, they're there to play the tactical mission, right? They're going to go grab an objective, go stand over here, go do this, right? They're not really there to, like, fight. So, um, yeah, they're there to move places and touch things. Um, the other thing I would do is I would change the Terminator Ancient with the Pen and Remembrance, probably for a Terminator Captain, because um, the Terminator Captain is cheaper, and give, he with a Thunder Hammer and a Storm Shield, a Relic Shield, he's more durable. I don't really need the extra OC, and the 6-up Field of Pain is nice, but I would rather have the free Stratagem. You know, you use a stratagem somewhere, and then for zero CP, you can target that captain right, and his unit for, with, with any strategy you want. Um, that's good. I, I would rather have that. Plus, he has an Imperium sword, so he comes with a free reroll to charge. So coming out of that Land Raider, the Deathwing Champion is going to give you the good. plus one charge, advance and charge, and the captain is going to give you a reroll. And you get a free use of... Any stratagem you want. So, uh, which would probably be, which could definitely be like the the grim, the unbreakable lines minus one damage in combat, because they're going to get countercharged, and that's that's pretty useful. Yep. So, um, I think that's the other change I would make, and I'd probably be willing to play that list more and test it and see what it does. So, um, all right. Other other things I've been thinking about, um, and I brought models on this trip. Like I'm here for like three weeks, and I don't have anything else to do after work other than just play 40k. Oh, I yeah. actually have my Leviathan box with me, and I'm Amazing. building <laughs> building models in my hotel room. Uh, so, yeah, um, I, I saw this on the internet. Somebody had a good idea: put two squads of Eliminators with Las Fusils in an Impulsor. That way, you've got a a oh, mobile no. a mobile bunker with six las cannons. Now they're strength nine las cannons, right? But they're they do d six damage. I'm pretty sure. Um, and when it dies, yeah, two squads jump out, potentially, and then they could go off and do other things, right? Or you could leave one of them out to sit someplace, put one of them in there. Uh, it's just more flexibility. Um. So yeah, there's uh, other little ideas I've I've had. Um, anyway, yeah, that's what I, that's my experience. Uh, I'm probably gonna try and play get another game in tomorrow, and maybe the day after that, maybe the day after that. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. So oh, nice. we'll see. Yeah, there's three game stores in this area, and they all have regular open 40k play on different days, and it's amazing. So there you go. Wednesday, Friday, that Saturday, awesome. Sunday, I open love 40k it. gaming at any of the stores in the area. So, let's do it. You can make up for all that time being isolated in uh, Hawaii, where there's there's no tournaments. Well, we have tournaments in Hawaii, games, right? We it's just we have like games. two game stores. We have okay, we have four game stores on the island, but um, three three game stores on the island. But yeah, like the the open forty k play really only happens like one of them, where you go and you find a pickup game. Um, no tournaments out here yeah. that I'm aware of. Uh, but I think I'm okay with that. So, whatever. I, mean, I actually would like to try and get these models built and maybe painted. So, traveling. If you want advice on how to travel with an army and a hobby set, hit me up in the comments, and I'll tell you what my strategy is, what I what I do. So, anyway. Um, 
Excellent. Man, I'm tired of wrestling with this Wi-Fi. You wanna you wanna you wanna bail out of this? I think we did it. We actually no, I do have one other thing okay. to report. We did a um we did a midnight release party for 10th edition oh, nice. at my game store in Honolulu, which was a which was great fun. We started at like 6 p.m. Uh, and then they went until midnight, right? And you know, everyone could get their box, they could sell you the box and you could walk out at midnight. But because all the rules were already out, right? Everyone, they just brought 500 point lists and they had a whole, probably 40 or 50 people there oh, wow. with a bunch of different little small tables playing little 500 point, little 500 point games, right? So I got two or three game, 500 point games in, uh, just try little things out and see these, how these things work, see different armies. So I saw Tau, I saw Necrons, I saw Chaos, I saw all this other kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, what was, was real good time. So lots of people in my area that are excited about 10th edition. So. Excellent. I got people hitting me up asking me where to buy minis and when we're having the build and paint days. So I think I'm there are going to be a lot of new people coming go. in. As some people are, I'm, some of my friends on my team are getting a little frustrated that are the old heads. So there are going to be a lot of new heads. So it'll be it'll be just like eighth edition all over again. That's the big thing I keep trying to tell people. It's happened before. Yep. It will happen again. Just stay true. Stay loyal. Got to stay loyal, angels. Right. Indeed. Yep. All right, so thank you all for listening to this month's episode of The Path yep. to Redemption, the Warhammer 40,000 Dark Angels podcast. Our next episode will come out when when we get to it. So that's 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 what I'm committing to now. Whenever we get a chance. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so please. First first week of August probably seems doable. But yep, yeah. yeah, hopefully. But that's also Gen Con weekend. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, oh, crap. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll try. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what Sunday we can do. night I might maybe be, we can get I might be having a well deserved dinner with Mike Brandt, Ryan Schwartz, and you know Zach Zach Rocher and you know, Roshner and you know all the other boys from Games yeah. Workshop. So you never know. So uh, please subscribe, like, and comment below if you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on your preferred podcasting service. And last but not least, we'd like to thank Purple Planet for the use of their music. Until next time, I'm Bailey from Dankless Wargaming. This is Heath with Team Hawaii. Stay loyal, angels. 